Hey everybody, this is Beyond Words with Felix and Al. Coming at you, it's that it's that weird time, that strange time between the holidays, between Christmas and New Year. It's a weird time. I don't know why. It just feels like everything's on hold, at least for me. And I'm not quite sure if I can just relax for another few days or... Do these days count as work days for those of us that are kind of self-employed with ongoing projects? Yes, this strange time. Well, I hope you're all out there enjoying this holiday period. For those of you who celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or, or nothing, whatever, hope you're enjoying it. I just returned from Christmas in Poland with my wife's family. And let me tell you, the Polish really know how to do Christmas. It's a very important holiday for them, more than anybody else that I've seen. Christmas has these really set traditions in Poland, like there are 12 dishes that you eat on Christmas Eve. And each dish has a story and a meaning and an intention. And the whole Christmas that I spent with my wife's family There were these just little moments of really clear intention about this holiday. And I really appreciate that about Polish culture, at least from what I've seen, is the intentionality and the story and the history behind a lot of, uh, a lot of like Christmas holidays and things they do. So I think it's clear from that kind of strong intentionality that there's an appreciation for what's important in life, like family Polish, uh, Poland and the Polish people have been through quite a bit in their history, a lot of hardships, a lot of struggles, and their valuing of these holidays of coming together really shows. So thanks, Poland. Thanks for your Christmas spirit. Yes, so here we are, end of the year, and it's been quite a year, huh, everybody? 2020 in the books. And Felix and I, on today's episode, we we talk a bit about uh, an outlook. If it's true that we really do bring our reality into existence through our thoughts and the way that we see the world and respond to it, then it's really good to, to see a bright future, which we do. And hopefully you do too. This pandemic isn't the end of the world. It's just the beginning. And the future is bright. That's the way we see it. We talk about that on this episode. What else? We we talk about uh, valuing ourselves. Like really valuing one's time and what that means. And what that means when we're working for someone. Our time is is our only resource, our most important resource. And it's finite. And so how much do we value our time? We talk about that. And more, we talk about the recent astrological alignment and change that's in the air. Felix is a real master of the astrology. Our supporters on Locals.com might have seen his recent video where he discussed this alignment and what it means and practices we can do to, to get in tune with it, with the astrology. I'm, I'm a novice to astrology. Felix is the astrology man, but I'm learning a lot. I know that... I'm a Gemini, that's for sure. (laughs) So, 
This podcast, like all of our episodes, is brought to you by our supporters on Locals.com. And just want to say thank you to our newest supporters, Atla and someone called Sisvad. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Thank you both for joining our supporter community. We appreciate you very, very much. If you like this podcast, listener, and you appreciate this podcast and you want to support this podcast, you can find us. Just go on your computer or your phone to beyondwords.locals.com and you too can become a supporter and join our growing community there. Supporters benefit from early releases of the podcast, video releases of the podcast, super secret special supporter only episodes of the podcast. Supporters can ask us questions and just connect with us directly and really steer the direction of the podcast. Supporters can throw it out there, give us something they want to hear more about, something they're interested in as it relates to plant medicine or other topics we discuss. It's all there beyondwords.locals.com Another way to support us is to just take a moment and pause this podcast if you haven't done so already. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please like, give the podcast a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. That really helps with these algorithms. If you're on Spotify, you can follow the podcast and get notifications for the podcast. That also helps And doing these types of actions on other platforms that you're listening on really help to get us out there and seen and front and center in this world of podcasts. Did you know that there are now over a million podcasts in existence? I imagine at least half of them, probably a lot more than half, are like, I've seen so many podcasts that are three years old, someone recorded two episodes and then gave up. That counts in the million podcasts. So help us to be, uh, stand out from millions, half of which aren't even really active podcasts. So we're keeping this one alive into 2021 and beyond. Join us for the ride, beyondwords.locals.com. Let's do this. Enjoy episode number 22, our final episode of the year 2021. Here we come. Enjoy the show. Everybody, it's Felix and Al. We're here today. Al on the microphone every day. We're here to share some things, to have a conversation across the world. I'm here, you're there, you're every single where. All the people on the planet, hey, hey, what's up? Yeah, it's all aliens. I don't care what solar system you're from, whether you are Palladian, Arcturian, or any other alien species you're welcome here we don't discriminate aliens you're all the same to me everybody's free thank you man yeah (laughs) i'm still getting used to the remote freestyle you know because you know my in-person freestyle was just so 
So um, point. It was so fire, point. Man. Yeah. This was still fire. I still really enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. thanks, man. <laughs> I'm cracking up the whole time, like trying to make sure the notes sound okay it's in the fire. rhythm, you know. Yeah. Some fire beats, you know. <laughs> I, I've been hearing people say that a lot, like as an expression, like that's fire. I, that's new, right? I think it's a new, it's a new slang. I don't think we were like saying that ten years ago, um, but now I've heard it like. Well, 10 what times was our slang ten years ago? Dope. No, dope would I mean, be one. When I came into my own, like in my early twenties, it was like, yeah. What were we saying? Like, that's dope. That's badass. That's sweet. That's that's awesome. <laughs> but now I like fire. I like fire. And my nephew taught me one. My nephew's now like twenty two or twenty one. Um, but when he was like 16, 17, they would say like nice, like, but nice has a different meaning. Like if a girl is really nice, it means she's hot. She's nice. Nice. <laughs> she's nice. nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. They so said that nice a lot mean... on uh, Brooklyn nine, nine, like noise. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a different for the teenagers, the recent teenagers, it means like, specifically like sexy or fine or hot nice it's good to know sexy fine or hot is yeah. nice call your go it's call like, safa nice she'll be happy like nice You're so nice <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, old one i remember was like that's bad like the bad man yeah like, good that was before like, kind of my that was like early 90s talk you know i think that's bad right that's bad, man. Uh, yeah. You're like, wait, is it is it bad or good? Is it is the negative yeah. a positive? Yeah. But we, then we'd say like badass. But yeah, I mean, it's funny how I think that's when I sometimes feel a bit aged is when I realize that there's new slang that I don't understand or that's like new to me, yeah. you know? So I'm no longer at the cutting yeah, yeah. edge of of language. <laughs> <laughs> the cutting edge of language. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting how we like, you know, as as a society, we like kind of hack our words even to make like bad, good, and good, bad. It's like, you know, what kind of effect does that have on the mentality of people when it's like, oh man, you're bad, man, you're bad, and it's like, wait, but am I good? Does that mean I'm good or am I bad or <laughs> or like fat? That's fat. P-H-A-T. <laughs> yeah you have to like yeah. explain it you know it's not fat but it's fat yeah yeah i wonder how that happened like who's the first person that used bad to mean good and how did that person get away with it and how did that person convince a bunch of other people to start using it <laughs> like you'd have to be a really good salesman to sell sell that uh, a new meaning for a word which is the opposite of what it meant <laughs> you got to be really good at convincing people <laughs> well I, that's where I, let's let's try and convince people not to use understand i don't want to stand under things oh, yeah. anymore i want to overstand overstand or all right, everybody listeners are you convinced will you use <laughs> overstand now I mean, so like, uh, understand, I mean, if I picture it, 
if I'm understanding like a concept or an idea, to me, it means like I'm under it. So I'm like, I'm holding it. I'm holding it up. I'm, I'm standing under it. So I'm holding up. I, I got this. I, I understand it. And I'm holding it. Whereas overstand is like a totally dominate the meaning of that of that idea. Like I overstand it. Like I, but to me, understand can also work in that context, you know, like, what do you picture with mm. understand? Uh, well, like I just reverse the words like standing under and yeah, it's like in, in some cases, like if a teacher's like, do you understand? Or like, you know, a parent, do you understand? And it's like, am I standing below your, your definition or your, or your idea? Uh, and I, and I, and it, you know, I guess there's like the humility piece, which is like, yeah, I guess I should stand below a, 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 a knowledge or something, but also it's maybe like, not. maybe there's, maybe there's some instances where understand works and I should stand below something. And then maybe I need to overstand something. Maybe I need to, uh, understand something. Yeah. Like we, we can't just have like one. I think it, it's not bad, but maybe we could use more functions if, like I understand God, but I yeah, overstand. Totally. Uh, I overstand um, how to use my phone. Freedom. <laughs> yeah, freedom. <laughs> no, I understand freedom because I'm humble to freedom. You know what I mean? True, true. But I true. overstand how to peel a banana. Right, and then I okay. understand. <laughs> <laughs> and he breaks out a banana hmm. and i when so when do i understand hmm. when do i stand within that would maybe be got with like something spiritual too right right or i understand love man yeah i like that i understand reality i stand in love yeah well i don't fully understand reality man <laughs> but it's all inside man it is oh I, I see so you can understand understand something without fully comprehending it well you're just standing there not necessarily like that's the thing with uh, or understand it's like when i say like i understand jujitsu i don't understand jujitsu I, I really don't so maybe i i stand I understand jujitsu or I'm trying to overstand jujitsu or like I understand jujitsu is yeah. It's interesting how it's like, it's almost like a egoic sense of like, I've, I've ruled this like understanding or this knowledge. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. Like what's the de definition in the dictionary is like understanding is having a complete grasp of something. Yeah. Which it's almost impossible for anything. <laughs> yeah, any of the standings. I'd rather well, dude, just stand there. Speaking <laughs> of, yeah, me too, right? I'm just standing here. I don't understand, but I'm standing <laughs> through it, through the experience of whatever it is. Um, but man, <laughs> speaking of jujitsu, I miss it so much, dude. I'm having like major withdrawals. It sucks, dude. It's... Um, I mean, it sucks. There, there, there are worse things in life than missing jujitsu, but um, 
Yeah, I miss it a lot. So are the academies still closed? Yeah, they're probably going to be closed. I would, I, I'm imagining probably at least through January. Um, like the virus is like spiking here. It's like most mm. deaths per day than at any other point, as far as I understand. And so things like jujitsu, like close contact sports are going to be one of the last things that they allow again, you know, so it's unfortunate, but so I'm just trying, I've been running a lot, man. I'm trying to, if I just want to at least stay in shape. So when I get back into it, I can have that cardio. So, but today I ran and like the novelty of running has worn off again. So now it's like getting hard again, you know, like, like running, like running, like really hard for 30 minutes. It was really fun the first three times. And I would like, you know, like time myself and get my mile pace down and, and I was running through new areas or running at night, but now that's worn off. So this is when it's hard to like stick to it because it's the novelty that makes it easy. So now it's where it becomes a grind. So, uh, so yeah, mm. I mean, similar with jujitsu after a while, when I get my ass kicked a lot, a different gear has to kick in to like persevere, you know? And, uh, so I'm finding that with running, but that's all I'm going to do, man. Just keep running until I can roll again and, go to a school so man your cardio is going to be insane it's you're just going to outlast people left and right it's just going to be that's the best part yeah if i can defend myself yeah but they'll they'll all be in shape too at least the school i went to last time in berlin everybody's like gym rat cardio they're all just like super fit you know Mm. um but that was one that was one particular school that i'm not going to go back to so maybe this next one I mean, it's great that people are fit, but it was just like a school of athletes. Even the white belts were like pretty super athletes. And wow. So, yeah, let's see. I'm hoping to find a school with like a mix of people, a mix of types of people, strong people, but bad cardio and then good cardio <laughs> people that are skinny like me. Like, I think it's nice to have a variety of of body types and skill levels and fitness levels. So you can really get a taste of like different situations that could actually happen. So totally. Well, you, you didn't miss much yesterday. We had, um, nobody showed up for the group class except for me. What? So I got to do a private class. Yeah. How does shocking. nobody show up? The f- well, I do that. Christmas pisses me times. off, man. I don't care. Nobody's <laughs> going anywhere for Christmas. <laughs> I know. I, I think you should do a little voice message in the in the jujitsu group that we have the WhatsApp jujitsu group and just tell people, hey, look, look, I am going through withdrawals here in Berlin, and you are skipping out on something that's right down the road that you can still do. I'm gonna record this right now on on the air live. Hey, everybody, Alan here, Al here. Um, I just found out that nobody showed up to the group class yesterday from Felix and I'm here in Germany and I miss you guys. I miss jujitsu so much and we can't do it here because it's all closed and you guys are just skipping out on your class. What the hell, man? That's unacceptable. I miss you all though. I miss you so much and please go to jujitsu. Do it for me because I can't over here. Have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Love you guys. Cool. I left a message. <laughs> and I just got the message on my side here. <laughs> nice. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's, cra- that's, that's really crazy. I don't like that. 
Well, I think the thing is too, you know, and, and I'm realizing this, like kind of watching people is and watching myself too. Like I, I recognized when I first started jujitsu, like I realized like how many of my imaginary ideas of I could fight and I've seen these movies, so I'm badass. And it's like how those kind of just get thrown to the wind. I mean, you really I don't know how to fight. And even after a year of training jujitsu, it's still like, there's so much more to learn. Like I watch, I watch Chase who's been training for 12 or 14, 15 years, you know, like, man, I'm still way in the back there, like trying to run and catch up. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to face that reality of, of being humbled again and again and again, it's like plant medicine. It's like, man, that that medicine like constantly brings us back to like oh yeah this world is really big and i still have to keep learning i can't slack on the aspect of learning and growing in this in this place and then maybe that's i mean it's also christmas time so you know that but it was just my idea while i'm sitting there rolling with chase where i'm like yeah i can understand like not wanting to to come into these classes um and and face that reality like it's it's hard at times you know but it, so you think people have kind of, me. kind of hit that that point, that wall a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard when you're like constantly getting destroyed on the mat. Like, yeah, you know, I, and and not just by me or like I get destroyed by all kinds of people. I get destroyed by Chase all the time. I got destroyed by all the, the locals here that came in, you know, I get destroyed by like pretty much everybody. And even like for me, it's it's interesting because we have one guy, you know, who hasn't really trained much, but he moves so well. And man, there's Johnny. times where he, yeah, he catches yeah. me and like folds my neck over his fist. And I'm like, Jesus, I just got caught by somebody who doesn't even have a stripe. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of not humiliating in a bad way, but hum it's humbling. Humbling. It's like, yeah, this is the reality of playing chess with human bodies. Well, maybe I'm a good fit for jujitsu because there came a point um, when something flipped from my, I just, uh, you know, early on getting my ass kicked, getting my ass kicked by someone similar level was really humbling, but it also like pissed me off, you know, getting my ass kicked by our black belt teacher. Great. No problem. Um, but then something flipped where I started to like, enjoy getting my ass kicked. Like, because I would leave that feeling of humility at the end of the class. There would just, I would just experience such peace for the rest of the day. It's like, all right, I got that out of my system. I know that uh, I, I'm mortal and a lot of people could probably kill me. And, um, but I also know that it's not the end of the world. If, you know, I get my arm broken or someone chokes me, you know, it's okay. So there's just a peace that comes from that. Not, and it's not like a masochistic, like, I like pain, but it's just, it's the impact after the class of, yeah, of that humbling experience. And I mean, I think I also, there was, it came a point where I accepted, okay, I'm going to lose at this for quite a while before I ever, <laughs> unless I'm going against a total beginner who's not also an gifted athletically like our friend but um but yeah man i think that's part of something flipped for me in the process where 
that losing and and getting submit, submitted by pretty much everybody became something that I accepted as part of the the journey and the process and once that that kind of flipped in my program it's like oh that's part of it losing is part of it then it became okay and it's like so now it's it's fine you know i still want to try to win the the sparring but i'm i'm okay <laughs> like it was great great for the ego you know <laughs> oh it, it yeah it's definitely like keeps putting it back into place it's funny like i remember when i got my blue belt i was like i'm screwed like everybody's just gonna be like kicking my ass just because you know i you know and some part of me was like somewhat inflated by receiving this you know blue piece of cloth but the other part was like actually you know like that doesn't change anything my jujitsu level is where it's at right now it's not like all of a sudden i get a boost in like a download from the universe and all of a sudden i'm a bit better at jujitsu because i have a blue belt and it's like no i still need to work really hard and like yeah, it was, it was interesting to watch that, that process of my mindset as it shifted from, you know, and even with each stripe, like there was, um, you know, a certain, and of, and of course that certain level of pride is nice. It's nice to feel like there is progress in this, uh, cause it's a very slow, slow path, but yeah, to watch how the mind wants to grab at certain parts of it and be like, yes you know, I'm this now. And it's like, actually there's still people, doesn't matter if you're, you know, four stripe black belt, there's still coral belt. There's still red belts. You know, there's still like a bigger fish out there always. And there's still more to learn. Um, but that's what excites me about it. And I, and I think what I started to recognize is the different types of people. And again, this is, doesn't even really relate to our group, but just like how we confront challenges where we feel completely inadequate or completely out of our our league or out of you know in deep water all of a sudden and you know initially I'll, I'll be honest like i was confronted with this great truth of i suck at rolling and fighting and i was like wow that completely destroys my imaginary world of what i thought i was you know and not that i was like in my mind like i'm a ufc fighter blah. it's like you know oh yeah if i got in a fight I maybe i'll punch the guy in the throat and you know i do this and that and I would, I would handle myself. Okay, man. <laughs> and then I, and then I roll with a black belt and I'm like, wow, everything I'm trying is completely obsolete. Even when I try really hard, cause he'll do that where he'll be like, all right, try and get me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you're just like, it's like chasing a, 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 a dragon. No, that sounds like drugs. It's like, <laughs> it's like chasing something impossible, you know? Yeah. Um, so what what it did to me initially was you know it brought me to my knees and then it was like okay cool well i have this this mountain to climb and i can either choose to like sit here at the bottom and be upset with my life and be like okay well i just i'm going to accept the fact that i'm terrible at this and i'm not going to go further or i'm going to keep climbing and i'm going to keep falling down the mountain and i'm going to keep getting rocks hitting hitting me in the face and scratches and brambles and whatever it's like i'm going to keep climbing and you know, I, I think you and I, we both said to each other, like, I'm going to make it to black belt. Like I'm going, mm -hmm. you know, as long as I can go. Or I'll die trying, part. you know, or I'll if, die trying. Yeah. If I die before I get there. It, yeah. I'm going to keep going towards it. Right. Absolutely. And, and, but those are the kind of people I want to surround myself with is like, all right, 
you and me out. We got this, we got this podcast and it's a mountain and we're going to climb this mountain. And there's days where it's challenging. There's days where we're hitting blockages. And, you know, like you, you gave me a good talking to you that one day where I'm like, Oh, I'm a bit too tired. And you're like, look, man, I understand you're tired, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we can't, we can't have this kind of mentality with, with, you know, climbing a mountain. And uh, sure. I really appreciate that. So I appreciate you being in my life like that. So oh, thanks, man. Same to you. And I really think that that like perseverance is a muscle and no matter what context you exercise that muscle in, it applies to all of life. So like having this experience with jujitsu and going through all the failures and still showing up every week and um, like that's exercising that muscle, right? That perseverance muscle to just push through even the thick mud of perceived failure even though it's not really failure but it feels like failure and humiliation but if we keep getting up and persevering through it like that muscle is then exercised uh and it's and it makes all other aspects of life easier when we encounter obstacles or something holding us back or um the self-doubt all of that it's like at least i find that like as i get older when self-doubt comes in about something that i'm pursuing all the other times where I overcame that and uh, pushed through something in order to, to really like get what I intended to get, like all those memories come, come back to me when I'm thinking about giving up on something. And, and I just remember that feeling like what it feels like uh, to persevere. And it can be as simple as, you know, all the times you and I both, I've done this too, where, there's doubts about the podcast and oh, I don't want to record today or whatever. And then we record it and it's awesome or we record it. And maybe we have doubts, but then we get great feedback from people. So uh, people are really happy. So it's like pushing through always pays off and it feels good. If I don't want to run, but then I do the run, I feel so much better afterwards. I'm like, Oh, why did, why didn't I just do this? You know? So, and the more we do that, I think that it, it just, it builds this muscle to really push through in anything. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, thank you too. And good friends are people that also we like hold each other accountable and call each other out um, because we love each other. Like I, I hope that my friends love me enough to call me out on shit so that I can keep improving and persevering in my own life, you know, rather than letting me slip into patterns of giving up, which Oh, that was the theme of my life for a long time, man. As soon as it gets a little bit hard, I give up. I would just like pack my bags, move to a new town, <laughs> quit my job, get a new job, quit a relationship, find a new one just because it got a little bit hard. So, uh, yeah, man, sometimes it's important to let go of something, but it's also important to check in. Like, am I letting go because it's a little bit hard and I'm afraid of, you know, failure or afraid of, uh, looking bad or afraid of being vulnerable or am I letting go of something because I just truly deeply feel it's just not for me. Like no excuses. It's just not my thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, <clears throat> this is, this is life. Like, you know, okay. Like, you know, I know people say, Oh, well, this martial art is my life or this, this sport or this practice or this, you know, path is my life. Yeah, that's true. But there's life is still life. Like the, we still have life, this whole lesson that we're learning. And we keep thinking that, 
or I keep thinking at times that, oh, you know, jujitsu is a separate lesson from the rest of my life. Or I think that plant medicine is a separate lesson from the rest of my life. Or, you know, that I have my compartment here and I have my compartment here. And then I have my like chilling on the couch compartment and then my, you know, interacting with friends compartment. And it's still one fluid stream of all my life. And if I, if I don't think I can improve living, then like I, I'm missing out on the point of life, you know, I'm missing a lot of things. And, and I think that's where like having these communities of really solid people, these friends in our lives that really just continually push us forward to be better, not, not like, Oh man, yeah, you should just chill today, man. It's okay. Let's just, uh, let's sit back and smoke some weed and, you know, we can hang out and drink some brewskis and just, let's just relax, man. Sometimes that can be called for. But not uh, sometimes, yeah. but like, you know, I've, I've, I'm thinking of specific friend groups from the past where like, yeah, that was all we did every weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, or did you ever have friends that would try, like, if you expressed that you wanted to try this new thing or do something, they would kind of want to hold you back in a way or, you know, that didn't want to see you succeed. And maybe I was that friend at some stage of my life, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, those, it's important to, to notice that too. And, you know, those not, might not necessarily be the the best ones to keep around. If, if well, I'm always shocked when those interactions come forward, you know, uh-huh. like when somebody's like, no, nah, man, you shouldn't do that. You know, like, nah, like, don't, don't, don't pursue jujitsu. Like, are you really going to get in a fight in your life? Like, are you really, man, it's, it's honestly, it's not even about fighting. It's really not like, mm-hmm. okay. There's that aspect of like defending oneself, but man, the, the amount of mental mastery that comes with sitting under somebody who's crushing your guts while you're trying to breathe and they're going to try and choke you at the same time. It takes a level of mastery of the mind to start to relax in that space, you know? Um, so yeah, don't maybe for the listeners, like we're not talking necessarily about fighting. We're talking about being really comfortable in uncomfortable situations and being relaxed. If I actually, if I could really narrow down, like my reasons for pursuing jujitsu at this point, it's not, I'm not doing it to be a fighter. I'm not doing it because I'm constantly worried about getting in a fight or getting an attack. I've never been in a fight in my life. Obviously it would, it's, it's nice to have some kind of self-defense skills because you never know what happens in life. But the reason I pursue it now is really because it's a practice for my body, mind, and soul. Like, uh, and I, I feel myself growing through it. So it's not about any outcome of being a fighter or a better fighter or, you know, being a badass who's not afraid of anything. No, it's just, man, it just feels good. It pushes me. It takes me to my boundaries and beyond, you know, and, and my perceived boundaries and then realizing I can go past that. I can, I can push through that. Um, so yeah, it's not about the fighting, <laughs> you know? No. And, and I think that's, yeah, I would say like the martial arts people, most martial arts people who practice a genuine martial art that I met are the most like kind hearted, yeah. like sweet, gentle people you've ever met. Like, I think if if anything, like what I've learned through this is from now is like, I, I don't want to get in a fight. I don't like getting hurt and I don't like hurting people. I'm really not a fan and I'm constantly apologizing to people. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I hurt you? You know, like, it's not my goal. It's like, it's fun to play chess, but it's not fun to hurt somebody, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why do you think that is that 
like some people who practice a lot of martial arts who maybe even like pro MMA guys, it seems like a lot of them are like the most relaxed people there are. And yeah, and why do you think that is? Because you would think that someone who's like really into fighting and does it, you know, pro for a living that they would naturally have some kind of aggressive nature to them that would make them want to get into the martial arts. But it's, it's from what I've seen, it's also I've seen the opposite. I've seen these people as super chill, relaxed. I want, I wonder, I, I don't know the answer to that, to be honest. I, I wonder if, you know, after getting hit in the head so many times or having your arm almost broken so many times, you realize like how fragile life is, you know, like I'm sure getting choked unconscious kind of puts a, a reset in the brain of like, wow, if this would have been out in the streets, like I could be dead right now. Um, it was interesting. Actually, yesterday I joined a, a Chase had the the women come to a self-defense class. And it was, it was interesting to see the difference in, in what he taught. Uh, it's the same techniques, but with a different mentality attached to them. And a lot of the mentality was like, create space and get away. And he's like, actually, this is, you know, he told me right before the class, he's like, I find much more value in the women's self-defense ideology over the men's self-defense ideology. Because for some reason, men think they want to stay there and fight and beat the person up you know, that's attacking mm. him instead of like getting away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I don't know what Chase has been through in his training. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of it was hard and super traumatizing and he's rolled with really big people. And, mm. and man, I think that just kind of puts a perspective on life of like, I don't want to be in this situation ever. So why don't I just be nice to people? Cause that diffuses everything. You know, it's like, oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. You, you go through those situations enough, you realize the best outcome is not to have to use your jujitsu, even if you're a black belt. The best outcome is for no physical confrontation at all. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the funny part. It's if you really go deep into this martial art and into the philosophy behind it from a good teacher, ultimately, you, you, you want the outcome where you don't have to use it. <laughs> so, you know, if I spend my whole life get to a black belt and then I never use it except for in a controlled setting of sparring, then I think that's, that means I've used it well. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do you think that that relaxed gentle nature is that comes from, from those people who are very top, very, very professional fighters that they could really hurt somebody, you know? I think the aggression, I mean, I think there's a couple things. I think for one thing, they might just be, you know, there, there is definitely a deep confidence that comes from knowing that you can defend yourself. And, and if you're a pro fighter, then you can defend yourself against 99.999% of the population, right? So I think part of it is just like a deep inner confidence. Like you've been through a lot of shit and you know, you can hold your ground. And so um, I, I think also just the feeling that I get after sparring for a while is I get all the aggressiveness and the, uh, yeah, ag aggression that's kind of like in my body and mind day to day if I'm pissed off about something. Um, even though when I'm pissed off about something, I don't take it out physically 
on someone, but going through jujitsu, I just get that, all that energy out of me. And, um, and I think also just facing, if somebody's constantly facing their own mortality and that their physical body can, they can die. Like, I think just being reminded of that all the time through a martial art, I think that chills people out. I think they, they realize, um, again, like you said, like the, what's important in life and that life is fragile and delicate. And it's really not, they just don't get worked up over stupid shit because they face death or serious physical harm on a daily basis. So I think that the small things just don't get to people that are constantly in that, in that realm. And that's something I noticed with Chase too, you know, he's pretty level. He's as level as they come and, and, uh, the small things don't really get to him, you know, it doesn't, or at least not openly, he seems super chill no matter the situation. So. Well, and I think that's a core of what he tries to share with us through jujitsu is like being super comfortable in the most uncomfortable situation, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know we're playing a game when we're rolling, but there is some part of our mind that has this awareness of like, this is life or death. Like if somebody's choking me, I'm not breathing, you know? Um, Yeah. I think there's, there's a really great power in learning to be as relaxed as possible in the most challenging situations. Mm -hmm. And, and I hope to bring that forward more and more and more into the rest of my life. Cause that, yeah, like, you know, the, even the great masters say like, the more relaxed you are in life and more you flow with life, the more you master life. And, you know, I hope to, to be better and better at that. Like I'm, I'm hoping to be a better human being and ultimately jujitsu is really helping with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Oh, we love jujitsu. I just love it. It's the best. <laughs> um, I think that the reason I, the other reason I love it is, we found the right teacher. I think that's really important. So if anybody listening is, you've heard us talk about jujitsu so, so much, maybe you're like, all right, you know, maybe I should try it out. Um, I can say that um, the, who your teacher is, is pretty important and it's important to kind of vibe with them. And they kind of have a philosophy that you're aligned with and just good vibes that you connect with. And same with the people in the class, you know, there's, there are a lot of jujitsu schools, some of them, you know, I went to one school that the people were pretty aggressive in it and they roll, they spar pretty hard and they, you know, maybe there's some ego trying to prove something to me. That's not the best setting. Like, uh, so I like schools where there people are just chill and humble and, and, um, they, they want everybody to learn rather than wanting to prove every that they're better than everybody. So, uh, so if you're in a city, then you probably have multiple options for schools. And I'd say just like check out several and see what feels best because they're not all the same and the teachers aren't all the same. So, uh, I had a sour taste from jujitsu from like my first experience trying it out years ago, um, to now with our teacher chase, like totally. And obviously I'm in a different space too, but but it makes a big difference to have somebody who really can teach it in a way that gets me really excited about it. And also helps me to integrate the hard lessons of humility and, and kind of seeing the long game, like the, 
not viewing it as like one lesson to the next, I should be getting better. Cause sometimes I feel like I'm taking steps back, you know, but, but a teacher was able, able to put all that into perspective and just like, keep me, remind me to be patient. And uh, because, you know, it's a lifelong pursuit. <laughs> so especially mastery. So totally. yeah. Well, Hey man, happy solstice, dude. Happy uh, age of Aquarius. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a super important day. And I know that this podcast is going to be released a bit later on. Um, but for you, as as we're talking live uh, today at 120 our time here in Peru, uh, the conjunction is happening between Saturn and Jupiter in Aquarius at the very early stages of Aquarius today, uh, which is a huge deal. This hasn't happened in 100 years or 800 years. Sorry. Um, but uh, we were listening to a, a really interesting uh, Vedic astrologer, and he was sharing that today to create the most auspicious or the best results from your from your karma or to help this new cycle go forward in the best manner, uh, he said, make a donation or an offering to a teacher of yours, uh, a spiritual teacher. Uh, uh, yeah, making an offering to a teacher is super important um today at 120 or when exactly that that conjunction happens so okay yeah and and he did one earlier where it was about buying new shoes as rahu changed signs rahu is the north node i can't remember because <laughs> it's vedic and i'm not really into vedic but uh he he said to buy new shoes on this day so that you can move through these transitions more fluidly and man, I'll tell you what, when I bought those shoes, I actually felt a change in something. So like huh. there's some kind of magic in these like functions of reality <clears throat> or these actions in reality in conjunction with these planetary movements. Um, so yeah, super fascinating time. And I know that again, people are going to hear this a bit late, but I'll make sure to post this ahead of time. I'm going to post this as soon as we get off of this podcast uh, and try and get this information out just so you can you can do this. Um, post it to yeah. the locals page too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll do. Yeah. Uh, so I'll post it to the locals page, the Facebook page and the Instagram page. I'll do an Instagram story as soon as we're done with this. Sweet. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I really, I can feel change brewing and I don't know if you maybe feel that as well. And, mm -hmm. and, and if you do, like, how are you feeling it? Um, I mean, I'm feeling it firstly, circumstantially. I mean, I've just moved to a new place. So this, so this, you know, it isn't necessarily related to astrology. However, everything that happens is also related to astrology, but you know, a baby coming, uh, into our life in six months, like I feel it, but in terms of the astrology, I don't know how to verbalize it. Um, I'm, I'm not someone who follows astrology necessarily, but when Marta started sharing more about this conjunction and today, the solstice, like I have noticed that I felt that things are changing very quickly. Just the, the vibe on the planet, at least the way that I experience it, it seems to be lightening up. Like, and that could also be because we just went through a super heavy year. 
Um, but I just, I just sense an acceleration and at least the way Marta explained this transition to me, um, moving out of an earth sign into an air sign, right? Into Aquarius. And, and this new chapter that's going to last for like 200 years, I think will be just in air signs. And it just, it just resonates for me just on based on what I've experienced and how I, how I see things changing and how I see, you know, for example, I've talked about cryptocurrencies before, but to me, like the emergence of a cryptocurrency is very much an air, like an air sign related event and the way that we communicate. And, um, I, I just sense, I, and I've sensed this for months already that a lot of old ways are dying. And in some ways the pandemic has accelerated that process, but old ways of thinking, um, old materialistic values, a lot of these things I've noticed, at least my experience of it is that they're starting to fall away, um, not just for me, but I see it on a, on a large global scale or I sense it. So that's me in a nutshell. What about you, man? How do you feel this happening? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's funny because it's like I don't, my awareness isn't on it until somebody brings my awareness to it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's like kind of like the plant medicine thing of like, oh, I didn't know I was blocked there till I, you know, had this different perspective. And, you know, the more I think about Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn, so Capricorn, um, and this is just symbolically for me, it's not maybe a, a recognized global symbol for, for astrologers, but Capricorn's like the devil. And Saturn is also like Satan is like the devil. It's like this idea of the oppressor, the, you know, the restrictor. And, you know, it's ending this cycle within this very restrictive sign, Capricorn, which is very ordered, which is very kind of everything's compartmentalized, everything's organized, it's got to be a specific way. Uh, it's very tight and restricted. It's kind of like living in a smaller box into moving into this space where it's like, wow, I was standing on the earth and now I just jumped off a cliff and I'm actually falling through the sky. and you know, how I can feel that resonating in my own life is like, I'm astrologically a very earthy person. I'm uh Taurus sun, Virgo moon, like earth. Ah. <clears throat> and I really like my, my organization and my solidity in certain things and other things I'm pretty free, but in my, you know, most of my life, I have this very like kind of rigid, earthy, heavy, slow sense um, or rhythm. Mm -hmm. And, and it, I feel that changing where I'm like, I really feel like it's time for me to expand outwards and to like go and find things now that inspire me in new ways to uh, reach out to new organizations and see what that means and like what, what new knowledge means and how that, how that sits within myself. Um, you know, the, the Tibetan bun tradition practices that we've been doing, that's a whole new thing. Um, yeah. And it's just, I feel that's on the personal level, but then it's like, you know, recognizing maybe this whole, you know, this pandemic is nature. <laughs> Astrology is nature. It's all nature. It's all the same thing. It's not different. And I think just seeing how these plants were doing these certain things during this pandemic makes me have more faith in the world and 
and the shape of my life and the direction of humanity. And it's almost like a relaxation kind of starts to settle in as I see it's all perfect. Like, yeah, we needed this pandemic to wake up to a lot of different things uh, we were very blind to. And it had to be kind of a slap in the face for humanity in order for us to see it. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, as I watch this kind of fear paradigm starting to die down where people are like, you know what? All right. I, I just, I can't take this mask anymore. I, I can't just stay in my house in my box anymore. I'm sorry. Like I need to make money and I need to travel and I need to experience new things. And this restriction on me is something is pushing me down, you know, whether it's myself, whether it's the world, whether it's the Illuminati or whatever, it's like, there's something restricting me and it's time for me to address that. Uh, yeah, if that that's just mm -hmm. a, a sense. It's not even like I don't I don't know if that's true, but that's what I feel, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean with the pandemic, it's uh like one side of it is it's a tragedy, you know, people that have gotten really sick or died, that sucks. And but also I can see it as like you said, just like every other hard thing I've been through in my life. When I look back, it's like, oh, well, that was necessary <laughs> for me to get to this point. So, and this is really, you know, it's a tricky thing to acknowledge. And perhaps if I had personally experienced or someone I love, like had died of, of this disease, like it might be even impossible for me to recognize this, but but on a grander scale for humanity, it's like something had to give and, and something needed to shift clearly. You know, I, I think we, a lot of us sense that before the pandemic, like, I don't know if we can keep going like this. Like there's something <laughs> that um, doesn't feel sustainable. And so, yeah, I hope that, you know, that it, that it continues to shift. I, I really do also sense it's accelerating some kind of shift in the way that we experience life and the way that we interact, the way that we treat each other. Um, and, and Aquarius is also, it's like the sign of um, like revolutions and the sign of like, uh, creative new ideologies and visionaries and all this stuff. Right. So I think it's a really fascinating timing that that's the sign that everything's moving into. And it just seems to be manifesting in that way. Like what we're seeing in the world, a lot of upheaval and resistance to old ways. Um, and, and something that seemed, you know, 10 years ago, our financial system you know, currency seemed like a pretty, that's something that's not going to go away. Like our currencies, the way that countries uh, do business, like you, you know, the dollar, the Euro, the yen, you know? Um, but now all of a sudden I see it, the more I learn about cryptocurrency, I see how stupid that system is, how inefficient, how the entire value of our currency is based on the decisions of a few dudes at the fed determining interest rates, like, or how hard it is for me to just send money to you if I wanted to, without so many people along the way, governments and taxation and PayPal, like dipping their hands in there. 
basically interfering with an energetic exchange between you and me. I want to send you money for maybe a service or something or whatever it is. And the more I learn about cryptocurrency, the more I realize how ridiculous it is that we actually put up with a system that, that just like dips its hands into what is intended to be an exchange between me and you. And the financial system has so much of that that's so unnecessary. And there's like trillions of dollars I heard every year. I forget how many trillions are exchanged, like are, are earned in the financial services industry. So that's just trillions of dollars just from basically banks grabbing a portion of a transaction between me and you. And uh, now that cryptocurrency exists, it just points out to me how stupid that system was. And I think it's going to fall apart. I think it's going to, that's my sense. And it all plays into this astrology. Like I just sense that we're all starting to see, or more and more people will see the ridiculous nature of our financial system and how rickety it is and how unreliable it is. And, and, uh, so that's just one example of what I see as a very Aquarian occurrence right now uh, in just the financial system, which seemed like how, like 10 years ago, you thought, how the hell would that ever change? Like it's money. What are you going to do? You can't change that, but it seems like we can. <laughs> well, it seems like it has to. That's That's the interesting part of it. It's like, you know, as I watch my garden grow, I know that it has to die at some point, like the flowers mm -hmm. are going to die and they're going to fall off the thing. It's inevitable for a, a, a system built on legal tender um, and ideas. It's going to have to fall or evolve, you know, or change mm -hmm. its form because it doesn't, you know, eventually that legal tender is not going to have value anymore. Um, yeah. And it's like, I, I think a big thing that really, came to the forefront of my life in this time is like, what do I really value in my life? Like I'm not working very much. I'm not making money in that sense. So how am I creating value with my life? And yeah, I had to find a bunch of different ways to, or things I didn't have to find. I started to recognize more and more things in my life that actually created value that had value, uh, good friendships, uh, good conversations, uh, actually having food, uh, jujitsu, like things that, that maybe, you know, money can't necessarily buy, you know, and, and those things held way more value than doing something to make money. Mm -hmm. And it was like, almost like spending more time focusing on that. So yeah, like what, what, you know, what, what is going to change in our value system as we move away from a practical, tangible world of we're in earth into an air, which is more actually spiritual and more idealistic and more inventive and creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing you bring up with money and, you know, working and valuing your time versus just like doing what you love, like being with friends and, and jujitsu and, you know, being here now that we've moved to Europe like one of the challenges I'm facing here is uh, the cost of living is significantly higher than in Peru. Like not so much for the rent actually here in Berlin, but you just add up the food costs and just the cost of electricity and the cost of getting around and it just adds up. And um, 
And so I'm remembering what it feels like to kind of have to like hustle a bit (laughs) with, with just to make ends meet. And then it's more for me now because we have a, a baby coming and, you know, just like preparing a foundation for that. And so I'm also kind of wrestling with this, like, how can I, cause what's, what, what am I offering when I'm earning money? I'm offering my time, right? And time is scarce. We have a, a supply of time before we die. And so I'm learning how valuable my time is to me. And, and because of that, it's forcing me, like I'm doing multiple work projects at the same time. I'm working for three different people, like doing these different things. And I realize, like I have to get super clear about my time commitments and how I structure my day and being really clear with the people who employ my services, like how much time I can offer per day. And also getting really clear about how much I value my time and how much I'll charge someone for the service of my time, because, you know, there's a price for that. And the price that I'm, you know, the sacrifice is that I'm not spending time doing something that I really, really love. You know, right now the work that I do isn't a passion in most, for the most part, except for this. And um, so, yeah, I'm really valuing my time. And I'm realizing I'm, for me to give my time to somebody else for their business or their cause, uh, you, you're gonna have to pay a price, man. And I think that's, <laughs> that's an advantage that comes with getting older and having more experience in life and more skills that have developed. Like I can, I can justifiably value my time m- more highly than I did before. And after living in the Valley for those years, like what I really love about there where you are now. And, and I, I think I started to take it for granted is we can really have this work life balance there where you don't have to work eight hours a day. Um, I mean, it depends, obviously the work that I do, I didn't have to work eight hours a day in order to have all of my needs met uh, to have a good house and food and everything. And obviously we're really, you know, I was really fortunate and blessed that I'm working for us dollars for, you know, organizations that aren't necessarily based in Peru that pay at a Peruvian pay scale. So that was a real advantage. And I, and I'm realizing now how much of a blessing that was. And, the, the blessing of it too, is that it's pushing me now to find a way to make that work here. And so it's giving me, it's lighting a fire for me to get really creative about how I'm going to earn an income here so that I can still, you know, have that balance of work life that I can spend time with my baby when it's born. I don't want to be gone eight hours a day, 10 hours a day from home. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it work. And because once you get a taste of that experience of work-life balance and that freedom to do what you want and structure your day in the way that feels best, um, there's no going back, man. So, so that's where I'm at now. It's like, I'm going to create a way to earn the income that's needed to provide for myself and my family and also have space in my day with my time to spend it doing what I love. So, so yeah, that's the, that's that's the challenge right now. <laughs> that's beautiful. But to mm-hmm. even see that, I think is is where where a lot of us get caught, or at least where I get caught too, is like seeing actually what the game plan needs to look like as far as 
what needs to be done, uh, what I'm desire. Uh, yeah. What I, is my time actually valued? And am I going to spend that, that, that valued time in a place where it's received as valued? Uh, and that's something that, that it's, it's like a self-worth piece, I think. Um, that's super crucial, but. Yeah, here, I'm going to, I'm just going to pause it real quick and we're on. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, I guess, <clears throat> you know what, what <clears throat> with this idea of my time is, is my value or is, is a part of the value that I provide. You know, I, I found when I initially started owning and running my own business is <clears throat> I had a huge confrontation with self-worth. Like I wasn't able to actually uh, provide much because of a, a lack of, of self-worth in that area. So I, I constantly hesitated. I, I underpaid myself. I, you know, overspent my time trying to prove my worth. And it wasn't necessarily... <clears throat> just for the people I was providing a service to, but how I viewed myself in providing that service. And, you know, I feel over, it takes time to change that. And I feel over time, you know, eventually I started to see, okay, like, yeah, I'm, I will always give, give it my all when I have somebody I'm providing a service to. And I, and that's something I can guarantee. Um, and that's the only thing I can guarantee actually is my ability to provide the best quality, whatever service that I can with my capacity. <clears throat> and, and I think that's lacking. And this is where people will hit a wall in their job, <clears throat> you know, their everyday corporate job, because it's like, you know, even if you provide so much and you're not that close to the boss, you know, you're still staying at the position you're staying at this. Well, this is the beauty of actually owning your own business is yeah. I can provide as much quality as I want. And and guarantee, you know, that I am excelling in the way I need to excel. And if I want to provide more services, that's up to me. And if mm -hmm. I want to provide more pay to myself, that's up to me. You know, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting concept to start that, that shift, you know? <clears throat> and, well, you know, what I've noticed in my years of working now, it's the more I value myself and truly value my time, <clears throat> uh, the better I can express that. And then the more others value my time. So I, you know, I've been in positions of work where I knew that I was really good at the work that I was doing. And I knew that I was really valuable to whatever organization or company I was working for. And then once I knew how valuable I was and how valuable my time was to me, I was able to sit down with whoever's responsible for how much I get paid and just express this is what I'm doing. This is my value. And this is what I want. <laughs> and, you know, obviously within reason, but, you know, I learned that it never hurts to ask if, if how much I make is determined by somebody else who's paying me, then, uh, you know, now I'm able to get really clear about that and get what I feel that my time is worth. And, and obviously this takes time, you know, in my first years of working, I, I didn't really have the leverage or the experience to be able to do that. So it, it took some years of sacrificing, but I think there's a point now where, you know, we start to like, you know, master certain skills and, and we can ask for what that value, how much we can ask for how much we value that. 
And like, you have a very valuable set of skills, right? And you know that, or maybe you're learning that more and more, and that's part of your journey, but people know that. And so if you value yourself, then you ask for what you're worth, you know, and whatever you have to determine what that is. But I used to always short, short sell myself or always settle for less than I thought was okay because I wasn't fully confident in, in my own value. So that takes time, but our time is money, man. Time is money and our time is super precious. That's what I've learned from having all that time in Peru to really do what I love. So I think that's part of a new paradigm too, that we can move into um, where our time is more respected and we have a bit more balance in our lives and we're not slaving away for 12 hours a day for, for, for breadcrumbs, you know, and I just hope that, you know, it's in a lot of countries that are still, you know, quote unquote, less developed. Um, it's really hard, man. If you, if you're like a, a person in India and you're not in the upper class, like you've got to bust your ass, you know? And, and I, my hope is that this, this new shift and evolution will also bring that to other people where, where there's a bit more balance, man, where people at the bottom don't have to f be slaves for 12 hours a day and where the people at the top don't have to do anything and have billions of dollars, you know, um, that's not to say I'm, you know, I'm American. I'm not, I'm not like, I don't really consider myself socialist or communist, but I do recognize, um, that a lot of people aren't valued and their time is not valued. And so, they need to realize that for themselves. And then the people who are responsible for paying them and, and using their labor also need to start to realize that too. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I totally agree with that. And I think too, it's like that, that inward recogni uh, recognition of, of time is money. I mean, there's, there's literally no way we can ever get time back. And what we're giving to a company is our life essentially. Um, just so we can make breadcrumbs at times. And, and I've worked those jobs and I hated those jobs, but that's all I thought I was worthy of. And, you know, I, it's interesting. I just came in contact with this woman who charges $500 an hour for a, a private phone call, $500 an hour. And, you know, at first I saw that, I was like, Whoa, I, I don't, know if I could ever afford that phone call, you know, as of right now, especially during COVID times, but, but just, there was like an acknowledgement of respect because this person was offering something extremely valuable and ex extremely essential for, for everyone. The service was incredible, but for her to acknowledge that, that value and to step into that, like without hesitancy or without you know, well, you know, I'm sorry, it's this, it's because of this. And like trying to explain what the person is getting out of that interaction is like, oh, wow. You know, that's, and that's one, one service this person provides. Well, it's, it's a, it's a multifaceted service. And it's like, why, why do I think that I can't do that? And if there's any kind of like rejection to that, that mentality, it's just me reflecting how I don't feel worthy enough to do the same, mm -hmm. you know? And if I think, well, like this person's greedy, well, no, actually this person knows their worth and is willing to step into that. 
and and exactly. I hope to embody that over time. It's like, you know, yeah. If if that person who's that's what they're she's charging. I mean, if she truly owns it and truly knows her value and what she's providing is truly excellent, then people will come and she will get clients for $500 a phone call. If she's full of shit, if she sucks at whatever she's doing, then that's greed and the market will determine that she sucks at that and she won't get clients. And so that's the beauty of being able to set our own rate is we can also learn like, okay, well, this rate is too high. Nobody is buying it. Maybe for a while I need to only charge $100 for a call and then develop my skill set and reputation. And then, you know, so totally, man. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who they might not book that call with her if it costs $100, but they will book it because it's 500 because these are people that maybe have a higher net worth of money and $500 means something to them. And, and they perceive that whatever she's offering must have value because it costs 500 instead of a hundred. You know, I think that's a mentality. A lot of people had, they'll pick the more expensive product because, well, it must be better. They might not even do their research about it, but, um, but there's something about that too, you know, and um, more power to her. Great. If that's what she charges and people are coming and they appreciate her service, then who am I to, who am I to, to uh, complain, you know, I mean, yeah, that's, that's great. Good for her. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and it was just as a reflection of like, you know, not necessarily that I want to charge that amount for a consultation call. Cause I find, you know, for the service I'm providing, I don't think it's at that level, but it was the confidence within that. What I'm providing is worth this. Mm -hmm. And, and you're right. You know, like if, if there is value to it, you know, absolutely. People will pay that. And that market determines that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's kind of goes back to what we were saying, you know, in a prior podcast of like offering medicine and asking for money for it, a, mo a monetary exchange. There is a service being provided, you know, and, and through that service, like this is what we feel our value is within providing that service. And you know, this idea of everything should be for free is, is kind of, it's, it removes the responsibility of the individual in receiving. And I think for me, like, if I know that I'm going to be charged $500 for a phone call, I'm going to make sure I am very present, that I am getting everything I can out of it, that I am, because I paid my money. So I better make something. my commitment. Exactly. And, and, and I see that in some things, you know, sometimes with, with medicine is like, people get this free ceremony and they're like, yeah, you know, I can get this all the time. And, you know, it's like this, it's like, it's cool. You know, I get this provided for me basically. And so I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll enjoy it and I'll, you know, but I'm also going to like, I know it's free. So I'll, what, what am I going to really put into it? Like, it's not, exactly. I need to be present. I need to be here. The first time I went to the temple, I, I paid my money. I saved up for a long time to go to the temple. And when I was there, I'm like, I'm here to do everything that you needs had to be done. skin in the game. It means exactly. something. It means something. And, and I want to live my life like that, where I have <clears throat> my skins in the game. It means something to me. I'm going to put my effort in. I'm going to be as present as possible because I'm spending time. Exactly. So why am I going to waste that? For some reason, there's, 
there is a a lot of people at least they associate you know healing and healing arts and plant medicine that it that it should be free uh, because it's spiritual right like spiritual healing stuff should be free that's that's a mentality that i've seen from people and they're they're really put off when they see a price for a retreat with plant medicine or when they see the price that somebody's charging for their ceremony and you know my response to that is well it's it's not free the person offering this uh, went through oftentimes years and years of sacrifice to learn. They paid a price for that financially, energetically, physically. Um, they also live in a world that uses money and they have to eat as well. And I think there is a place for that. There are some healers out there for whatever reason, the way that they're set up and, the, and whoever they are, um, they are called and want to offer a free benevolent service of healing. And that's awesome. Um, but that's a choice that they have based on their circumstance. And, but the idea that healing should be free, that's, that's not, that's not correct because, uh, everybody like there is a sacrifice there is a, an investment on the part of the person doing the work. And, you know, it's from what I understand, even in, in, indigenous cultures a long time ago when they didn't have money, money wasn't a part of their system. If you went to the local shaman or, you know, or healer or doctor, like they would bring an offering, they would bring some chickens or, or some, some corn or whatever they could as an exchange, as an offering, you know, so that's, that's nothing new, you know, now it's money and money has this reputation with it, but money is just replacing those chickens or that corn or that whatever they were bartering at the time. So, uh, so yeah, I think we, we got to pay the price, man. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's an exciting, I don't know that just for me, it's an exciting revelation just to even have this idea of like having a, you know, having skin in the game in life, not, not even just my, you know, my business. It's like, how about actually just doing the same thing for life? and acknowledging the value of, of breathing air and eating food and, and being here and having uh, experiences. Like I, I, I just recognized in myself how much, how little I actually don't acknowledge that and how actually sometimes I slack on life itself while life is giving me this service, you know, this, this gift. Um, yeah. And I, and I, and I fail often by not being present, by not enjoying it, by not smiling, even when it's hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have skin in the game in life too. And we've, you know, we've come a long way. I've been on this planet 40 years. Like I've been through a lot and, and a lot of challenges and struggles to get to where I am now. So, you know, I should really do my best to be present for this life that I have now and to appreciate it and to really recognize what it took to get to this point. And I think that's really important is to just, you know, treat our life as if it was a retreat or a ceremony that we paid for with money. Like we paid to get to this point, not just financially, but through experiences and, and ups and downs and all of that. And man, it's amazing. We're here. We made it to this point. Like, let's be grateful for it. <laughs> not always easy to remember, but totally, man. Yeah. I think, and I'm just acknowledging for myself is like, wow, I I'm pretty spoiled to think that, you know, I can't even acknowledge the beauty of what I have 
right here in front of me, you know? Huh. That's normal, yeah. dude. It's a natural, we naturally get lost in our circumstances and we take things for granted because it's just natural if you get used to something, you know, and for me, changing environments coming here, um, I just really realized the value of what, what we had there, what I had there and the value of the time that I had and the mountains and all these beautiful things. And, but, you know, for example, being here where the sun goes down at 4 PM and it's kind of dark and gray, man, when that sun comes out, if it does come out, if the clouds part, even for 10 minutes, like I am just looking towards the sun and just like soaking in every second of it because it's so precious, right? It becomes a really scarce resource here in Berlin in the winter. So also being in an environment where some things are missing, it brings a new appreciation. Like when summer comes around here, I'm going to be, I'm just going to, now I see why when I was here over the summer, like people seem to be outside all day, like, and and just really just loving it. Summers here are, are amazing because people have been through winter. And so in summertime, they go to the park and they soak it in, man. Like, and I understand that mentality. So I'm just preparing, you know, preparing for That's when that beautiful. sun comes back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the sun was out a bit today, you know, and I just <laughs> went outside and just really like, just took a moment to really appreciate it because it's, it's a scarce resource right now here. So, whereas in the Valley, I didn't, I often didn't think twice about the sun, especially in the dry season. In fact, I would try to avoid it most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we're in rainy season now, so we've been having like a, we had a whole week of clouds and rain. <clears throat> yeah. I did. It, it takes that lack of that thing to really acknowledge like, Oh yeah, I kind of do miss the sun, even though I avoid yeah. it. Like, Cause it's quite strong here. The sun's so um, strong there, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You just, you spend two minutes in the sun and you're like, I need to get under something very quickly. Yeah. 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 Well, there's one little article I wanted to talk about on this very auspicious, cool. very special day. Uh, it's a bit fringy, but it's a, really interesting so it happened this morning here at five o'clock but uh there was a ceremony in australia next to uh mount uluru and i'm going to pronounce that wrong if, if we have aussie uh listeners here you're going to laugh at my pronunciation um yeah so this mount uluru is that big red rock that sits in australia it's super sacred uh i just did a little bit more research on it and realized that it was finally gifted back to the indigenous communities there in Australia. But um, they have this prophecy there in Australia around Mount Uluru and, and this magic box. And so this is something that these, uh, these indigenous tribes have talked a lot about there. And uh, the indigenous tribe of Australia is one of the oldest tribes, oldest on this planet. And they say that this box was gifted to them by uh, the Pleiades. It was gifted to them from the stars. And that in this box was a piece of technology that would help us in a time when we were facing great wars, when we were facing plagues, when we were facing pandemics and viruses and uh, corruption. And it's just, it happened to happen on December 21st, 2020. 
and say that as many people as possible to tune into this ceremony that they were going to have today. And what you're supposed to do is put your feet on the earth and connect with your heart to, uh, or actually from your root, from your root chakra to the third eye chakra of this mountain at five o'clock in the morning here. So we set our alarm and we got up at five and we went outside and we put our feet on the ground and, you know, tried to connect to this, this energy. And so, uh, what was in this magic box isn't fully known. And I don't want to say I'm believing it blindly, but what I felt today through this connection, um, was this overwhelming sense of optimism, of joy. And so I didn't really fully read the article before it happened. But as soon as I tuned into it and started having a very powerful experience as far as like starting to sense this optimism, this joy and peace, I read the article and it says in the article what this technology is supposed to do is it's supposed to amplify the joy of humanity in a time when there's a lack of joy and there's a ton of fear and, and spread that more across the earth. So it amplifies the frequency, the Schumann resonance of the earth. And they say that it'll, it'll resonate so strongly that it'll actually split the earth in two. And we've heard this story before from Dolores Cannon. Um, who talked about there being two earths, this, you know, multi-reality idea. Uh, but on a personal level, like I really actually felt something and and I wouldn't actually share this with people unless there was something there. And so even if you you miss this time, uh, understanding that time is really is pretty much an illusion. So you can tune into this ceremony at any point by putting your feet on the earth and focusing on this mount or this rock, uh, Uluru, uh, and connecting to its its energy. And I really recommend it. Um, you know, whether you believe it or not, even just to try and feel or sense what that ceremony did or what it may have done or what even just the potential of tuning into, you know, millions of people focusing on love for the planet for two seconds, you know? Uh, yeah, it's fascinating. That's amazing. So are you saying that like the, the, the planet splitting into, in other words, like there's a fork in the time space continuum and some of us will go on the fork of joy and the other people will go on the fork of like fear and darkness. Is that kind of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I've kind of felt that idea, you know, as a, as a really fun idea and it, and it, you know, it resonates through science. We've talked about um, multiple dimensions and multiple realities and time streams and whatnot. And I really actually, the more I'm focusing on these practices and working with plant medicine, I'm seeing a reality in the sense of vibration creates the reality around me. And so even for me, just to like play with the idea, fully fall into it, believe this for a moment that there is this magic box that is this technology that may amplify us into a better timeline. What does it hurt? You know, like, what is it? Totally. You know, is it going to like... Am I going to go crazy? You know, it's like, I might as well even just play with that idea for an hour and like really feel that because even for that hour, I felt so good. I actually felt super optimistic. I woke up feeling pretty crappy because of waking up at five o'clock in the morning and not sleeping well. <laughs> and after that, I felt really good. So it changed my reality already. Dude, it makes total sense to me. It just sounds like 
to me, it's so obvious that if you can take two people who are in by all by outside perspective, looks like they're in the same situation and the same things happening in the world, but one person has a really like positive outlook on it and they know everything's going to be all right. And they know that we'll get through this difficult time and they see the, the light in, in the dark and they see the lesson from the struggle. And then you have another person who uh, sees the same thing, but sees it more like a continuation of a terrible life and everything sucks and it's only going to get worse. And um, just a really negative kind of outlook. And, and I think both of those people are right, essentially, and they're right. And their mindset is what will bring the next step in their life, the next outcome, the next. And this has been reinforced to me this year, like from the time in Africa and Iboga, the initiation during the pandemic. So many times I was faced with two choices. One, uh, to believe that everything's going to go to shit and I'm going to just everything's falling apart and the world is I'm going to hell basically. Or the other choice was to keep faith, to keep hope and to keep trying and to, and to believe as much as I could that everything was going to work out and be okay. And, you know, I, I spent some time in hell, man. I spent some time believing that everything was falling apart forever and life was going to suck forever. And that, but um, I pulled myself out of it because I realized it wasn't working. And I really focused on hope and optimism and faith and recognizing that throughout my life, I've been through really hard times and it's always worked out in the end. And I remembered that. And again, we've talked about it before. We've all had our pandemic stories, but everything kept working out. Like I made my way home. And, and so I, I, it, it, this this time to me and it sounds like what they're doing in Australia is just a recognition of the power of our mind and at this particular juncture in time it's being amplified and there's a tool perhaps this box that's amplifying it even more and those of us that choose to see the light and to to look forward with optimism for for humanity and for ourselves and our families that 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 outlook will be amplified and life is going to be already is and will continue to be even more and more amazing so this is the time to remember that <laughs> this is not like this pandemic Absolutely. is a little bump in the road Absolutely. but it's not the beginning of some terrible time for humanity not in my life and not in yours either uh, and we make that choice so i'm choosing the fork in the road that goes down the path and joy <laughs> and i'm sure there might be some more obstacles but through it can you can you reiterate that statement again? The the pandemic is not the what yeah. did you say? Uh, yeah, the pandemic is not the end of the world. It's not the beginning of some dark time that's going to last forever. It's not the beginning of the end, and everything's going to suck. Like a lot of people see it that way. I think the pandemic is a little bump in the road, but the future is super bright, and uh, like so much good is coming out of this, and life is just going to keep getting more and more amazing. Like I know it. And so that's what I'm going to experience. Like I'm making that choice. There's a fork in the road and I'm taking the left, the path on the left, which is the path to the light. Like it's the path of optimism and joy and the path of not seeing this pen as anything more than a, than a challenge on our journey, but it's not, we're not going to hell. <laughs> 
Wow, man. I mean, it's, and it's also really ironic too. Like, you know, I had this, this experience with this, you know, Uluru ceremony and this box, you know, whatever, whatever my mind created within that situation or that experience. And I, I still believe it. I'm not going to let that shake and say, oh, you know, it's just whatever, but whatever my experience was within that was beautiful and it was powerful. And it was funny because I went back inside after that and was kind of talking to uh, some people in my house and, you know, they were reading the news and the news had gotten to this new level of like dark, dark despair, nonsense, like, oh, the, the virus has mutated and now it's super strong. And it's like, it was so funny because it didn't even feel like it was here within my sphere. It felt like, oh, there's this like sound down the road and I can hear a car driving by. That's that's it. And even that sensation for me was an acknowledgement of the possibility of bending my reality into something I desire more. And that's I'm not afraid of this bullshit. I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I'll call mm -hmm. it bullshit. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to live my life in that way. I'm not afraid of getting sick. I'm not afraid of dying. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And but I'm going to keep going forward in this positive mindset and this, this, like, I'm ready to create something beautiful. I'm ready to continue to doing this podcast and, and filling the world with better things other than, ah, we're fucked and it's all over kind of mindset. You know, it's like, man, actually we're, we're actually doing perfect. We're on the right path, you know? Yeah. And not only that, we're excelling and we're excelling in a way that they're pushing so hard or this energy of fear is pushing so hard against us to try and stop us that it it's literally it almost it seems silly it seems like somebody who's trying to get a girl and they're doing they're throwing everything at this girl or this person they're attracted to to try and get them to notice them and a lot of people are just like whoop nope i'm good you know i, I don't feel like i i want to buy into that story anymore i'm not weak you know i'm not afraid uh, yeah dude yeah i hear you you know i've come to a point like i think it's also possible to you know recognize the severity on one hand of this virus, like, and also recognize that uh, it's still a choice in how we respond to it. And, you know, just for me in the past, like week, I, I've, I've really, my view on it has changed a lot in the sense of like, I, I do take it seriously now. Like, I just know of more and more people that are really sick and some really dear friends of ours, they have a two year old daughter who's like, was in the hospital. It's, I think just got out today, but with like severe pneumonia as a result of like she had COVID and it wasn't so bad when she had it, but it fucked up her lungs and this pneumonia was so bad and it was really scary. And so like when I hear that, it's like, okay, this, this, this disease is serious. And also like we can, we can take that and just really consider that and be with that and, and like, you know, firstly, just I was praying for this little girl and, you know, so much love and compassion for her parents that are going through that. And then, you know, thinking about how I would feel if that was my own child, you know, going through that. And also, but, but also not, not buying, not buying any of the extreme fear or the desire to just stop my life completely over this, but, but to be responsible about it and to know that we will get through this as a human species and as myself. And um, so, yeah, right now I've just been in this place of like 
really accepting the reality of it more. I think that I went from, I went from one end of the spectrum with this pandemic, like when it first started and I'd finally got back to Peru, I ruined through a phase where I was in total denial that it even existed. Like <laughs> I, I thought it was just like a fabrication in the news and like trying to scare people. And I went through varying degrees of that. And now I, I really see it like for like a lot more, uh, I don't know, feels more realistic. Like it's, it's real and it's fucking some people up and, and I, and it, and it's not the end of the world. And, uh, and we are just going to have to like, it's, it's going to be hard for a while in, in terms of like where in Europe, at least things are closed right now. But, but the key to getting through this is, is it for me and for everybody is to to just keep keep the the faith and the hope and the recognition that we'll get through this it's not the end of the world like it's okay everybody you know and if you're struggling if you're sick with this or you know someone who's sick with this or someone who's died from this like that's you know i i can't i can't even relate because that, that hasn't happened to me that i've known someone and so i'm terribly sorry and i'm not trying to minimize this you know it's just I'm just trying to look at the bigger picture and, and um, yeah, the future's fucking bright. So, and there might be more viruses in the future. It happens, you know, but it's all about how we process it and how we respond to it. And I, I think what you said is true for me too, is like, I don't want to just constantly live in fear of being sick. You know, I can't let, I'm not going to let my life be determined by that fear. Um, and I think it's my, it's up to each person to determine how they protect themselves and what precautions they take. And um, yeah, and that's that. So it's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well said. And, and yeah, I don't want to. It's not about necessarily disputing whether or not this virus is real or say, you know, I, I want to acknowledge what this virus has done, but at the same time, it's like, you know, for any of us, if our time ever gets cut short or we have that opportunity to come in a close call with death, we realize how close death is to us all the time. And if yeah. we live a very comfortable life and we're very blessed and we don't have that opportunity to see how close death is to us when the, this ID idea comes close to us, you know, and really confronts us. Like a lot of people are like, oh my God, you just have invaded my space. And that, you know, now death is even closer than it's ever been before. Well, no, death is always right here. It's always right behind me. I mean, literally. And, and it's just in general, I don't feel if we live facing death, in terror and we don't have a good relationship with this thing that is coming you know we will get sick we will get mm -hmm. sick and not necessarily COVID. maybe we our body shuts down because of fear yeah and that's something just to remember is like actual these 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 emotions create negative compounds in our body that actually eventually kill us absolutely and so if if I'm facing my life and I don't feel that sensation, I'm sure I do get scared. Sure. I do come close to like crashing my motorcycle, which has happened and it's terrifying. Um, I still know 
like, okay, well, I live my life pretty good up to this point, hopefully, as best I could. And I'm going to face this as best I can. Doesn't mean I won't be afraid. Doesn't mean I'm not, but you know, that immediate danger of a tiger biting my head off or a rock falling on my head or whatever it is, is much more real to me than a virus that may make me sick and just degrade my health over time. Um, Totally. So again, not to, not to, not to belittle this virus and its effects, but to acknowledge the need of, of a mentality change within the facing of this challenge. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. I think there's a difference. Like if I get sick with COVID, then I will respond to that situation, but I don't see much purpose in living my life constantly as if I will die from this, you know, like with a constant fear. Um, so it's about responding to the situation as it arises and then taking responsibility for me right now, that also means taking certain precautions. Like, you know, when I go places like here, there's just, it's just, it's just, it's, there's a lot of people with COVID right now, apparently here. So, you know, I'm making personal choices, but it's not like out of fear. It's just out of like, this is what I feel is responsible for myself and other people. And this is what I'll do, you know? So, um, yeah, man. <sighs> amazing yeah beautiful thanks for sharing uh we'll link that article that you shared um with the practice for uluru too um because i hadn't heard about that uh and i read through it and the way you talked about it like it just makes so much sense that we have this opportunity to amplify our mindset that's the way i see it our mindset and if we keep it positive and uh in the light then that's what will be amplified. So let's take advantage of that offering where whoever dropped this magic box, let's use it. <laughs> yeah. And so just to, just at any point, whenever you hear this, whenever you see the article, like I recommend you go outside, you put your bare feet on the ground and you uh-huh. concentrate on Uluru, connect with your root chakra to the third eye chakra of Uluru, the heart of Uluru, Uluru uh, and really tune into that with pure love and just feel that. Uh, just try it. It's an experiment. That's the thing. Sweet. Let's bend yeah. our minds. Let's let's try bending a new reality. And if you've never been there, like Felix and I haven't been there either. You know, there's a photo on the article, so you can just like look at the photo and kind of engrave that picture in your mind, and just kind of like, you know, just put your intention towards that. I'm gonna do it tomorrow morning. So awesome, awesome. Well, thanks, man. Cool. This was great. Uh, yeah, good times. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, listeners. Thanks, subscribers. We love you. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time on Beyond Words. Peace out. Beyond Words.